Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. Hey, welcome to Life After MLM's Lula Rich companion series, Lula Bitch, a place you can come to find all the tea and everything that was left on the cutting room floor. You're about to hear the personal accounts of the people affected by the MLM LuLaRoe. These stories are our own personal opinions, accounts, and allegations of our experiences within the cult. Some stories may be triggering. Please listen at your own discretion. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. Today, we are talking to a personal friend of mine that I knew before LuLaRoe. This is my friend, Melissa. We're going to call her Melissa today. Uh, And we're going to talk about your time in LuLaRoe and all of this, but we're also going to talk about the film because we have both seen it at this point. It is out now. It is number one on Amazon in the United States. It is so amazing. You watched it. You reached out to me. You said, hey, there's... There's a demographic in LuLaRoe that wasn't represented as much as I wanted it to be. And I think there's a story to be told and and I want to share my story. And I said, 100%. And here we are. So please, without further ado, introduce yourself and let's get into the nitty gritty and tell me how you found out about LuLaRoe. Sure. So um, I actually met Roberta uh, when I lived in San Diego uh, a friend of mine, we'll call her Janice, um, would go to Chick-fil-A once a week. And um, Roberta happened to be there with her daughter. And um, so she just heard us like, you know, speaking real talk. And as another mom was like, uh, can we all be friends? <laughs> that was and like my so- favorite day was like, sitting there at those Chick-fil-A like meet the cow mommy and me breakfast things as like a mother with a small child and being like oh my god those people over there look really cool I I hope they'll be my friends. (laughs) So Gertie um had a pop-up at her house it was in her basement which I'm sure the consultant was like super happy to lug all of her shit down the stairs but whatever so we all like meet for this or whatever and I ended up, I think I bought, I bought an Azure and I think an Irma that night. And cause I was just talking to Gertie about how like I'm a tall person. And so I can't find shirts that will stay put. Like when I raised my arms up and like, nobody needs to see it. Like, I don't want to see it. Nobody else needs to see it, you know, whatever. So I was like, oh my God, this Irma, I'm going to like live in it. Right. And then, so the consultant brought me over to the leggings and she was like, oh my God, this is what we're known for. They are buttery soft, whatever. And I was like, totally not my jam. Like Roberta, I mean, really, when you look at me, do bright ass leggings, just like, (laughs) say, Melissa, no, they don't. (laughs) 
Absolutely so. not. And I was really yeah. surprised you bought an Azure because I mentioned on a previous podcast, I don't think anyone ever bought one. So you <laughs> might be the only one. I know. I know. I might be the only one on record who's ever purchased that skirt on purpose um, and not to wear as a top. <laughs> so um, anyway, this was in, this must have been in like December of 20. 16 I want to say I only did it for like a year and a half maybe it was 2015 but that was right before the whole like onboarding crisis and all that right fast forward Gertie is like I think uh I think I really want to do this like I think this is something that I really want to do and now we're into like the beginning of 2016 and um I was like you know what I'm kind of thinking the same thing. And so she goes, well, why don't we do it together? And I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. Cause like, I don't have five grand laying around. So I thought, okay, like we could be a team. And at this point, my friend, I called my friend. I had talked to you a little bit about like kind of what it was like or whatever. And you answered my questions. And I had talked to Janice who was already in the queue at the time. And yeah, and Janice had signed up under me. Janice was on my that's team. That's right. Janice was on your team. And so I was like, okay, let's do this, Gertie. Well, in the meantime, we had been up. There's like a city a few miles away from us, and there was like a pretty big consultant there. So we had been up to her house to shop in her Lula room and all this or whatever. And Gertie was like, I kind of want to sign up under her because she's local and like, I feel like that could be helpful and whatever. And so I was like, you know what, that's true. It's local, whatever. So I told my friend Janice and I'm sure that I like broke a little piece of her heart because you know, like that's how you build the whole pyramid. (laughs) Like, so why, like basically like it was almost like I was taking money out of my friend's mouth. Right. And so she wasn't like, mad at me or anything. I just want to make that very clear. She was not petty or anything about that. Um, she understood, but then after we had joined the queue, we had gone and opened a joint banking account. Like we had done all this stuff. Gertie and I were like, it's going to take fucking forever for us to get our phone call. Like we signed up in, I want to say April and we didn't get onboarded until the end of June. I joined a week after Janice, actually. And that was something that I don't think people talk about. There were people who joined the queue and had subsequent people behind them that were sponsors before they were ever even consultants. Like, it was crazy. Nobody knew what they were doing. And yeah. so uh, I had a friend join, like immediately join up. Uh, she's like, I want to do this. I want to do it under you. And I had signed up and two days later, she signed underneath me right. So for my six weeks in the queue. I had someone underneath me already. So right. I onboarded two days, three days, four days, whatever later she onboarded. And I immediately got a bonus check. I never didn't have one because like, it was like that people that had no idea had never even worked work LuLaRoe or any of this a day in their life already had people underneath them and they were all waiting to join at the same time. It was insanity. Yeah. And nobody knew the answer to any 
freaking questions. No one. So it's like, you know, what is it like? Um, it's like the monkeys leading the circus or whatever. I mean, it was literally like from the top down, nobody knew what the hell was going on. And everybody would just like shuffle you to someone else to answer your question. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? Like they call this leadership. Okay, like I'm, listen, here's another thing I wanna mention. All those damn books that they wanted everybody to read. If you have to read a book entitled Leaders Eat Last, you have no business being in leadership. You should just <laughs> know that. Yeah, it was like, oh my God, yeah, like leaders eat last. And you're like, how, how did you survive this long? Like, I don't understand. So that is not what happened in my experience. But anyway, um, so... So how many of those books did you read? They told us to read a lot, right? Yeah, so they told books. us to read a lot. I read the one about like the bus or something, something about a bus. What was that one? It was like a positivity book. I don't even like, know the bus one. Oh my God. Okay. So it was basically about how to like kind of turn <laughs> lemons into lemonade, like <laughs> essentially. And I'm just like, I'm reading this and I'm like, what was it? Oh my God. Like the opportunity bus or the, I don't, I don't know, but I finished it and I was like, you know, this would probably be great in any other context, but it has nothing to do with what I'm doing. Like the problem is, is not that I'm not trying to make it to 10 weeks. Wow. I was literally, if I would have signed up maybe a week earlier, it would have been a six week wait or whatever, but I was literally in that like super hump. Right. So like I told you, me and my girl Gertie had signed up together. And then like two days later, and I, we had talked about this to the limit, like, listen, as long as we're honest with each other, as long as we talk this out, as long as we do whatever, we can do this as a partnership and it'll be fine. Well, we were really honest with each other. And we were like, you know, I don't know if it's going to work as a partnership because we're not onboarding until such and such a time. And I'm taking my kids and going on a vacation here and you're taking your kids and you're going on a vacation here. What are we supposed to do in the meantime with $5,000 worth of clothes? Because I'm going to want to take it where I'm going and I'm going to want to take it where I'm going. So she's like, listen, I'm going to let you onboard first because we did everything like under your social and whatever. And she goes, and then I'm going to onboard underneath you. And I was like, okay, so I too became a sponsor in the queue. And so, um, but we were going to do this as a team, but not being a team, right? So we were, we were from the beginning going to share, like we, we bought our own inventory and we had our own customers or whatever, but if she carried something I didn't carry, I always sent my customers to her or vice versa or whatever. So we, like, if she needed help with packaging, I went over and helped her with packaging. If I needed help on a live, she came over and she helped me on a live. Like we were, we had each other's backs, right? So we do that and we're waiting in the queue. Now, meanwhile, <sighs> May 5th, I remember because it was Cinco de Mayo, okay? I went to my first Inspire. Oh my God. Okay. So really quick for anybody that doesn't know what an Inspire is, an Inspire tour 
is a recruiting tour that goes around and it's like just like a big hype party convention like for the day they used to have them for free um and then i think they start started charging 25 dollars because people were like saying they were going to come and then not showing up um but you also got like a free item at the end so they're like it's a wash um <laughs> I almost so they were like they charged yeah they tried started charging there was 25 dollars um and you would go and it was basically like an all-day event um we played a giant game of rock paper scissors together there was like balloons and music and people getting up on stage and like you know all the sob stories so it's one of those MLM recruitment rah-rah parties that traveled all around the United States and they called it the LuLaRoe Inspire Tour. Gertie and I drive to this Inspire Tour and let me just say I was less than inspired okay first of all the music was so loud I was like, I don't even know if my 30 whatever year old ass can hang here. Like, I don't know because like I have old ears and they're tired, you know? So I had, I was like on the struggle bus from the beginning. Then what they had you do is like, so Gertie and I got there kind of late. Like we had some parking issues or whatever. We finally got situated so we got in there kind of late. So this was like a balcony situation. So there was like a bunch of people on the main floor, which was like where everyone that was on our team or whatever was sitting. And then we were up in the nosebleeds with like the stragglers, right? Which is totally fine. Like no problem, no problem. So we're up there and they're like, okay, turn to your neighbor, but not the one you brought with you. And they go, ask them their why, ask them their why. And then just keep asking them why. And I'm like, okay. So I turn to this random person I have never in my life met, seen, heard of, whatever. And I'm like, so why are you? Oh, we were supposed to like hold hands too or some shit. Dude, this happened like, to me 100%. Keep going. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. We're like, I'm like, where are we? Like, I've, I mean, I've held people's hand at church. You know, that's like the only place that I've been to where they have required me to hold someone's hand and talk to them. Okay. So I'm holding people's hand. I'm like, so why are you doing this? And trying to like, I'm one of those people, my face fucking says it all. Okay. Like there is nothing that I can hide behind this face. So she could probably totally tell that I wasn't into it anyway, but, but I'm just like, mm hmm why mm -hmm. why and I'm like I I mean are we all three years old that's who asks why all the time and like I get it we all have a why okay but asking someone why the first time that is fucking plenty it was totally a manipulation tactic. Like it was 100% to get people to like cry and be like, I had a breakthrough at the Inspired Tour. I remember doing that. And the person was like crying. It's like, I'm doing this for my children. I'm like, why? <laughs> so I could have more money for my children. Like why? So I could give them all the things they want. And it's just like, why? Because I need to be a better parent. And it was just like, oh shit. Like it just, it got like, it was so intense. And I just remember being, and that was the very first event I ever went to too, going like, what is, what is happening? Yeah. 
So one of the people that I became like super great friends with, hashtag because of LuLaRoe, um, like we're going to call her Lynn. Um, she is not a person that is telling you shit about anything that's personal until she like knows a hundred percent that you were like legit and real and whatever. And so, I mean, I just, I would, I'm going to ask her when I get off this, like, Hey, you remember that Y experience? What was like that? What was that like for you the first time? You know, like, because she's like, why? I mean, because she's not telling anybody anything, you know? So I just, it was that, and I had totally forgotten about the giant game of rock, paper, scissors. Oh my God. You have literally got a bunch of screaming women, rock, paper, scissoring, okay, for what? So that they could go up on stage and do the final battle and be like rock, paper, scissors champion of the world? (laughs) yes um so the reason they did that again was like this really odd point about how when we when we lose we still win okay what they did is they told everybody to turn to the person next to them and play rock rock paper scissors right if you won then the person that lost joins your team essentially and then roots for you and you go on to the next and eventually everybody sort of like you, you play the, the winner of the last match and any losers like join your, join your gang and root for you. And by the end, you have half of the room rooting for one person and half of the room rooting for the other person. But at the beginning, we all started out rooting for ourselves. But at the end, it's like this big group thing where even when we lose, we still win because we're a team. Yeah, that's, that's what that was. Like that okay, is well- another just manipulation thing. That totally just flew right over my head because I was like, I am a grown ass woman. Okay. The only person I play rock, paper, scissors with is my five-year-old. Okay. Like, and it is not competitive. I mean, I'll beat his ass, but like, it's not like, you know, some big, huge lesson, you know? No. Oh God. I remember those. They were just obnoxious. (laughs) Oh my God. It was so bad. The only good thing, and, and I will say this, because Sam said it in the documentary too, he figured out the vibe of like most of the crowd. And so he kind of like played to that or whatever. But we had Biz Marquee come and sing. And I was like, I was all for it because I was a huge fan of Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> okay. And so- Can we talk it, about Yo Gabba Gabba? Because I don't think anybody listening right now, I think everyone's like, wait a second. Why are you talking about Yo Gabba Gabba? Yes. Okay. So we're talking about Yo Gabba Gabba because Justin Lyons was like, what, a producer or a director or some kind of something or other. I think like Sam's brother, like was one of like the creators or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So I will tell you the reason that I loved Yo Gabba Gabba. I know it was fucking out there. Okay. But the reason that I loved it is because it was, it, it featured a black man. Okay. So I was here for that. It had weird looking creatures that weren't anything. I mean, yes, some of them looked pretty phallic-y or whatever, but like, aside from that, I mean, my, my kids weren't going down that road at that point. So whatever, they didn't know any better, but they, they displayed all kinds of art. They displayed all kinds of music. And that was what I wanted my kids to like be a part of was to know that there was more than just 
you know, one kind of variety of music or art or whatever. And so I love business beats of the day. And like Mark Mother's Ball was like up there drawn or whatever. And so say what you will about me for loving Yo Gabba Gabba, but like, I'm here for it. Yo Gabba Gabba was like the hipster, cool kids, kids TV show. Like it had the Aquabats and Biz Marquee. Um, Elijah Wood was in it for an episode. And that was the thing that Justin, that was the story that, that Justin always told about, you know, always hand somebody your business card, always be reaching out to people because he was at a party one time and was talking about Yo Gabba Gabba and met Elijah Wood and was like, oh yeah, we're doing this kid's show that's like really, you know, out there and cool and different. And Elijah Wood's like, I'd love to be a part of it, man. Call me. And Justin's like, and I called him and he was in our pilot episode. And so it's like, so always give people your business cards. And I was like, I don't think Elijah Wood is going to buy leggings, but okay. Like, right? All right. They were. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, it was created by, by an offshoot of the Stidham family, the Schultz family, which is Sam's family. Uh, and Yo Gabba Gabba, it's, it's, it's a little bit of LuLaRoe history that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, exactly. So we're like all these women are getting up and they're telling their, you know, stories or whatever, and they're crying and they're Deanne. Oh my God. Deanne gets up and she starts talking about her fanny pack of money to go buy Romanian children. And I'm like, looking at like, what in the hell are we doing now? At this point, I thought, you know what? Like, I can still sell these clothes, like no problem. But like, did we join a cult? What is going on? In Romania, uh, oh. post-war torn Romania, where back in the day, it was just horrible. And, and the story that Deanne says with that was that the, I don't know, the czar or the, I don't, I don't know enough about Romanian history. So I'm totally butchering this. But once that guy was out of power, there was all these like children who didn't have anywhere to go because apparently he had required women to constantly be having children as long as they were able to bear children to constantly have children for this like Romanian super army eventually went. After that ended, Deanne went to save these children she had, and they, they show in the documentary, she had four children. She always told the story with the fanny pack of money. She had her four biological children. And then she went to Romania and adopted so many more. Half the kids that she brought back, she never even officially adopted. They just were like, quote unquote, adopted, taken in by the family. That's what Anna is. Anna was never officially adopted. She was taken in by the family and she married Michael, who was officially adopted. Um, a lot of people were very appalled by that. I understand, but that is the clarification there. Right. One was officially adopted and one was like one that came over. Uh, Anna came over and went to school over here and sort of lived with the family and was unofficially a family member and unofficially adopted, but treated as a family member nonetheless. And that is who got Which, married. I mean, is all on the up and up or whatever it, it, for as much as we believe what they had to say. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, it's still weird as hell. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's weird. And people are entitled to think that that's bizarre. And so they like laugh about it. Ha ha ha, like whatever. But like for a lot of people who have a lot of trauma associated with family shit like this going on, like it's not funny. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And I thought the laughing about it was probably the most tone deaf part at all. Like I get it, you know, they're not blood, things happen, whatever. It's still weird. Maybe right. not as weird as it could be, but still weird. And people, like you say, that have familial trauma, uh, don't find this kind of stuff funny. Nope. And it was really tone deaf and gross. Yeah, it's kind of gross. So back to the grossness of Inspire. So, um, okay, what you need to know about me as a person is that I'm not necessarily a joiner. I'm not going to jump off a bridge if somebody else jumps off a bridge. But when I do something, I'm all in, right? Like all in. I want to be at all the meetings. I want to go to all the events. I need to be there because I have this kind of like investigative curiosity that I feel like it's not FOMO necessarily. I'm not afraid of missing out on the big magical rock, paper, scissors game. I'm worried that I'm going to miss a clue, right? And so my whole thing is like, I went to this, like with my eyes wide open, I, I did not join to make a million dollars and retire my husband and, you know, um, do like have this million dollar house. I was doing this because I had kids who were finally going to both be in school full time. I wanted to do something that was just for me that I felt like I had control over in my life that I could do on my own time and figure it out. And so this is what I thought, oh my God, like I saw how much shit Gertie sold at her party. I saw how much shit my eventual sponsor slash coach slash then mentor was going to make, you know? And so, yeah, like if I can make even a piece of that pie while it's fitting into all these other things for me, then that's fine. But I found myself being like so disenchanted kind of from the beginning, but I had always known that I was going into this as like a black sheep because I didn't want to fucking ask people why. And I didn't want to rock, paper, scissors. And I didn't want to have a big old pajama party sleepover. And you know what, Lachey Kimbrough, I did not want to be on the boat with a whole bunch of LuLaRoe white people. Yeah, I know. I went on that boat uh, and I agree. It was a little culty. I don't blame you. I personally, like, I don't necessarily want to be on a cruise anyway. Like the ocean is, um, slightly terrifying. And I've been on a cruise before when I was younger and it kind of like molded this or whatever, but I certainly didn't want to be on a cruise with a whole bunch of culty people. So, and, and mind you, this is my perception, right? This is my perception. Um, so anyway, the Inspire Tour is getting ready to close and guess what? Everybody gets a Cassie. You get a Cassie and you get a Cassie and you get a Cassie. And these bitches went crazy. We had literally just spent six hours of our time listening about the sisterhood and how great women can be to lift each other up. And these bitches acted like they had never seen a skirt a day in their life. They had to have the one, whatever. I mean, it was like clawing eyeballs, pulling teeth, whatever. I was like, I don't even know what to say right now. Did, did you hear nothing from in there? Mind you, the Cassie is the cheapest skirt that LuLaRoe has. It is just a simple pencil skirt, 
with like a thick band on top and they are $35 normally. And like, what, what were they like wholesale? Like 15 they were like bucks, 15 bucks, they 15, were 15 bucks. bucks. Yeah. Because that was, that was before when, okay. So they were 15 bucks wholesale and you sold them for 35. So technically you could make $20 on it. Fast forward about a year, year and a half, they started making MSRP, like what we sold at was half. Basically, they took away your ability to make any money without, re- like if you were replenishing your styles. For little people like me, you know, I, I could only afford to order a box every now and then. I, I couldn't order a box every week. I couldn't order a box all the time. So when they changed stuff like that, that really drastically changed kind of things for small people's business. But I'm not saying that I didn't change it for the bigger ones either, but it, you super felt it when you were only able to sell five pieces in a pop-up, you know? So anyway, so these girls are like clawing their eyeballs out to get the right size or the right color or the right print. And I got like some three extra large Cassie. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to gift this to a friend because whatever, it doesn't matter. Now, the, the other thing that I always thought about the Cassie, now I love a pencil skirt, don't get me wrong, but those prints and the waistband never lined up and it drove me batshit. And the other thing that I thought about the Cassie was, I legit thought this, oh my God, kind of savvy in, about tricking people because I guarantee you, they probably bought, once again, my opinion, they probably bought like a storage locker full of fabric from the 1970s that nobody even knows what it's called. And that's what the Cassie skirts are made of, right? Oh my God. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. The sad thing is, is I can't tell you you're wrong. I mean, you could be spot on. I have no idea. Well, because you heard Mark in the documentary say, sometimes I paid a dollar a yard. Listen, I'm a quilter. If you're paying a dollar a yard for fabric, it's fucking garbage. Absolutely. (laughs) It's garbage. I got some Tula fabric because I really liked the queen of hearts. And I wanted to put it it in a hoop for my wall. I think I spent $17 on like a half yard because I I had to buy so much because I needed enough room to get the whole shape in with no like over. I think I spent $17 in fabric. Just to get the, yeah. So yes, if you're paying a dollar a yard. (laughs) Yeah, we were buying bargain basement fabric and, oh, let's, let's talk about the colors too. Whatever that like cross between royal and steel blue was, if I never see that color again, it will be too fucking soon. Oh my God. I remember when there was like all the influx of the solid leggings. Do you remember that? Yes, everybody and was complaining about solids. Complain, complain, complain about solids. And it's like, bitch, shut your mouth. <laughs> we had all prints and everyone's like, I wish we had solids. So then I'm assuming Patrick's like, then give them solids. And then all <laughs> you could get were solids. And there was this right. mint green color that was pretty much white. And I yeah. had probably 25 pairs of those. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that like, None of these colors were actual 
like Pantone colors. These were like bullshit made up colors that nobody on earth had anything to match it to. And the worst part was, is the blue on this Irma didn't match the blue on this legging. Please tell me as a clothing company, how you did that. Um, you know, I think one of the things, like we said, is Mark was buying cheap fabric. I know Patrick was buying cheap fabric. I know when we started investigating, we started seeing things. We saw some Lola's, which were like one of their chiffon skirts, um, had nasty gal fabric because it said nasty gal all over it. And it was like a nasty gal leopard print from like two seasons earlier. So then we realized that they were also buying like bulk remnants of old seasons as well. So it's this, you know, some of the fabric was better than others, but it was all out of season or as cheap as they could get it. Patrick always said, it doesn't matter. They'll buy it sight unseen. It doesn't have to look nice. They'll, they'll literally buy anything. Right. And you could definitely tell that. So fast forward. So um, I actually was just going through um, some messages from my old mentor who was my sponsor at the time that I joined her team. She was a trainer that had just barely made coach. And then by the time I left, she was a mentor. I actually, I was watching the queue, right? You could watch and like my date was passed and I hadn't gotten a phone call. And so I was like, the hell is going on, right? So of course I messaged her and she goes, okay, like, let me see, you know, whatever. I said, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to cause problems, but they're on such and such date. They're telling us they're on such and such date. And I submitted my paperwork on this date, like whatever. So she actually called Lachey, called Lachey and was like, Hey, can you get my girl onboarded? I had no idea that that's what had happened. But that's what she did. And then she texted me and let me know that that happened. So I was like, oh my God, thanks for using your magical card on me. Well, Lachey calls, guess what? They're in California on California time. I'm on the East coast on East coast time. I'm reading my kids a bed night story. So I fucking missed my LuLaRoe call that my person had called in specifically to make sure that I got in. And here's what I'm going to say about that. Do I feel bad that I got a magical phone call? No, I don't because they had already passed my date. It wasn't like I was getting onboarded four weeks early or whatever. It was like they had already passed my date. Somebody should have already called. So I messaged her. I'm like, oh my God, I was reading my kids. I missed the call. And she goes, listen, I'm calling her right now and asking her to call you back. Do not miss that phone call. I mean, thank you. Okay. Like, I won't miss the phone call. I mean, I'll sleep with my phone. I'll eat with my phone. I'll shower with my phone. Like, literally, it was, it was like militant. Don't miss the phone call. That's why people are answering the phone at their bachelorette party, like Daryl said in the documentary. Or that's why people are in the shower and they're like, fuck, I got to get out of the shower so I can make this phone call, you know, whatever, because it was, it was business because they just steamrolled. So if you missed it, you were like left in the dust. Absolutely. And there was a group of people who were in the queue, they were in the queue and they changed the program they were using for the queue or whatever. And there was a group of a couple hundred people that like just never made it onto the second program and they were completely missed. Yeah. And you were one of them. And I think I talked to somebody else already. That was one of them too. I had there no idea. 
I had no idea, but hey, we're a baby company, right? <laughs> yeah, show some grace, okay? We're just a baby company. Yeah, could you just like bless others, okay? And then some good <laughs> karma will come your way. Did you know, fun fact, um, the old mission statement of LuLaRoe used to be blessing lives and strengthening families. The new one does not include blessing lives because they don't do that anymore. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Let me tell you this. They had to take they, it out of their mission statement. <laughs> they ruined the word bless for me. Oh my God. Yes. Um, it took me a few years to be able to use the word rad again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a big one. And it's sad because like you said it before they were saying it. So it's not like, yeah, no, I know. Listen, I am not on the Facebook nearly as much anymore. I literally like, I don't post anything. I just sometimes like, like when this documentary got released, I kind of was like scrolling through the comments or whatever. And that's hashtag because of LuLaRoe, because they freaking ruined it for me, man. They Jeez. ruined a lot of things for me. But anyway, where were we? Sleeping with your phone, you're carrying it around. That's right. That second right. call comes and what happens? That's right. So I am like, white girl losing my shit, just like the rest of us, you know? Like, uh, And so she, she was super upbeat and super kind and um i didn't have five grand laying around so i had to put it on a credit card and you know they encouraged you like you could get an interest-free credit card which i will say that is what i did but let me tell you this i paid that off before my one year or whatever and i did not put anything else on that all i put on that was my initial order and i paid it off as soon as i could which was like it took me months not gonna lie, it wasn't easy, but I like, yeah, I wasn't going down that road. So anyway, Lachey was awesome. Like, I think she's still awesome. Um, she gave me um, a box of 25 free Patrick's, which I thought made me the shit. Come to find out, I think they were just trying to like get rid of them or something. The Patrick was like the worst shirt ever. <laughs> right so like i don't know anyway so i thought i'm like being blessed and whatever and um and so, so did she she thought she was doing me a solid you know like um but anyway so i get 25 free pieces well mind you i onboarded when they didn't have leggings as a part of the onboarding package and it was like the legging shortage so you couldn't get any so i totally spent five grand how was I supposed to know? We're all transparent. We're all showing off everything that we've got and all this opulence. And, you know, I've told my sob story. What's your sob story? We're sharing things, whatever. So I'm thinking this is a good environment for me to ask questions. Oh no, not good, not supported, not wanted, nothing. And I am pretty sure from that moment on, my sponsor was like, that one's trouble. And she wasn't wrong. Because yeah. I'm sorry, if I see a bunch of shit going on, I'm going to say something about it. And that's why I love you. No, <laughs> thank you. But yeah, so like I, yeah. So also I would like to say at this meeting, um, they would do a swap at the end, but they were only allowed to bring 33 pieces. 
Okay. And the reason they were only allowed to bring 33 pieces is because 33 pieces is how many pieces you have to order as a minimum for your order. You had to order a minimum of 33 pieces. And if you ordered the cheapest thing, it was still going to be 500 and whatever dollars. So they knew that every order was at least 500 fucking dollars in their pockets. And so my sponsor was like, okay, so we'll just stick with 33. Well, somebody brings 33 pieces and somebody else brings 33 pieces. They're not all the same stuff. So like you got people who brought like all their skirts and you got people who brought all their tops and you got people that whatever. And it's like, what the hell? Like, how are you supposed to swap if you don't have piece for piece? So it's like everything had to be complicated because nobody thought it through. We would do swaps and then we would have to like, we, everybody would have like a piece of paper and you'd write it all down. If I was swapping for you, I'd take everything that I wanted and I'd write it all down and that'd be my total. And then you'd be like, this is what I'm taking from you. And then what the difference was, we'd PayPal each other. So if you took like 30 from me and I took 25 from you, you know, then we just PayPal five bucks and it's right. Even. So did you do that with like a room full of people or was that like one-on-one? Um, usually it was one-on-one. I do believe we tried it with a room full of people and it was a lot more complicated, but it was probably only 10 people. It was at my house and it was like a team, like a local team party where everybody right. just brought like a tub or two of stuff. Um, but it was still complicated. It was still complicated. Oh yeah. It's, it's all complicated because, oh, oh my gosh. So later on when I'm, you know, a full fledged member of the team, right. I've made my initiation that cost me five grand and a bunch of ugly shit. Right. So, um, when we are allowed to come back to the meetings or whatever, um, first of all, it is okay. Like, I don't know how your meetings went, but I felt like our meetings were always like, you know, spur of the moment. Like, I feel like she thought it was planned, but it never really was. And she would have somebody go pick up Little Caesars pizzas and she would charge $5 at the door. So she had pizza and she, we would all have to bring like a side or something or drinks or something to share, right? And we got charged $5 to get in the door. So I did this one time. And the next time I went, I was like, I'm not eating pizza. I ate before I came. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Spring is in the air, and with that comes spring cleaning, especially those closets. I am beyond guilty of keeping pieces around that I no longer wear, I'm hoping to fit into again, or I just can't seem to get rid of for whatever reason my brain uses to justify the hanger space. But this year, I am implementing the one-year rule and spring cleaning my wardrobe with the help of Quince. As a sponsor of Life After MLM, shopping with Quince is a great way to support the show 
and get some cute new items to treat yourself once the purge is over too. Once you put your seasonal and holiday items in the back of the closet, it's time to purge what's left and see what can be donated and what needs to be retired for good. It's only then that you can organize your keepers and see where you can amp up your style for the coming year. And that's where Coins comes in. By partnering directly with top factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing, Quinn's cuts the cost out of the middleman and passes the savings onto us at 50 to 80% less than similar brands, which means you can stretch your dollar and save on great staple pieces that will last through at least a few spring cleanings. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. National Voter Registration Day is kind of a big deal. It's a yearly nonpartisan holiday celebrating our democracy, and it's all about getting as many people as possible to, that's right, register to vote. So why is that important right now? Well, sure, local and state elections may not get as much attention as the midterms or the presidential elections, but they're still a super important way for you to use your voice to make an impact and help shape the future of your community. And one of the best parts, registering to vote is really easy thanks to organizations like Headcount. Get registered there in minutes and you won't have to worry about registration deadlines in your state. And then you'll be ready to participate in all of your upcoming local, state, and federal elections. That really is a big deal. Head to headcount.org forward slash Spotify now to register. That's headcount.org forward slash Spotify. See you at the polls. Little Caesars pizza cost $5 for a whole fucking pizza. Okay. So not only, not only are you taking money for this pizza, right? But you're probably also writing this shit off on your taxes as a business expense. She's absolutely doing that. And then she's probably also profiting because did you eat eight slices? No, hell no. Nobody did. That's what I'm saying. So she's making money, but, but yeah, we're recommending all these leadership books and stuff. And I'm sitting up here like, this is crazy. This is crazy. And I was like, you know what? All these other crazy people want to pay $5 for pizza because they don't have any sense in their damn head. I'm going to let them, but I'm not paying $5 for anything. Like I will starve before I try to eat your pizza. Or just like take that $5 and get a fresh one on the way home. (laughs) Right? Oh my God. I was like, no. Yeah. So that's what our meetings were like. And usually it was, it was literally let's talk about how much my bonus check was. Let's talk about how I paid off my van. Let's talk about how I can send my kids to do X, Y, and Z. Let's talk about this. Meanwhile, you're pilfering money off of people, right? Like, so you're talking about all this opulence, yet you can't even bless us with some $5 pizza? It just doesn't make any sense. No, it absolutely doesn't. Because if you are very successful, you should be able to afford pizza for your team, especially $5 pizza. Right. But not only that, if you are literally, if the point of this meeting is to tell people how much fucking money you make, we all know how much fucking money you made. Yeah. Especially if you're charging for pizza. Right. So like, it's not a secret. Anyway, yeah, so it's like, uh, I don't even know. So, okay, so I get my onboarding call 
I get my first boxes. I am like pedal to the metal to get my stuff photographed and everything else. It's a total shit show. I'm sure I didn't, I'm sure that there were things that were backordered, which back then if things were backordered, all they did was circle it and write B-O on it. Okay. Like I was supposed to trust these people to just like send me my shit, like a magic cloud, right? From UPS or whatever, USPS or whoever they weren't mad at at the time that was delivering. And so you know, um, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to keep track of like what I'm missing or whatever, because I, I don't think I'm going to get this shit. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't trust them, you know? And so I'm going to keep track of this, whatever. So I do my first show and I sold 50 pieces. That was the best right out of the gates because people wanted to support me as a person. People thought that they were supporting me and the thing that I had tried to do, I sold 50 pieces. I never again, never sold probably more than 20 at a time. I would post everything on Tuesday nights and I would sell 13 things at the beginning. So I would have my stuff up for 24 hours and 13 was a good night, right? And it was just... Like I, there were so many factors along the way that you could tell that I wasn't in it anymore because there were so many other things behind the scenes going wrong that were affecting my moral compass, almost trying to like change who I was as a person. And so you could see it reflected in my work because I no longer wanted to go swap like a crazy person. I no longer like I just didn't care because like I didn't want to pass it on to the next level. So I had that first show. It was like 4th of July weekends by the time I'd gotten it all photographed and could do it. And then I packed up all my shit and I went on the road. I went and visited family. I, um, I actually, I had a friend down in Florida who wanted me to do a pop-up. I was like, cool, we'll bring, I'll bring the kids to Florida. Like whatever. I mean, I drove, all across the damn country, you know, peddling my wares. And I mean, it was okay. It was enough. I made enough money to keep myself going, but I was never going to be a big fish. I was never going to be a big fish in sales because here's the thing. When I got back from this trip, I thought long and hard about what I wanted because that was at the time, that summer of 2016, everybody was putting Oh my God, there was like a new Facebook group for every pop-up. Everybody had a Facebook group. You added your friends to that Facebook group. Then when that pop-up was over, you begged them to join your homepage and like whatever, you bribed them, you did whatever to get everybody over there, right? And I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't want to be at four different places in the process. I'm not doing that. So I decided sitting at the table and looking at things, what I could logically do with my time. Okay. Pop-up night's going to be Tuesday. Every Tuesday night at 8 PM, I'm going to upload my stuff. And every Wednesday night at 8 PM, I'm going to take my shit down and that's going to be it. And so what I ended up, what it morphed into was I had people wanting to host. So uh, instead of making a separate Facebook group, right. I may add one Facebook group and 
whomever you wanted to invite, you invited to that group and you were the hostess of the week. So if my regular customers wanted to buy, they could buy at your party. Cause like, okay. Cause at that point it was like, if you sold 10 pieces, you got a piece for free. Right. And so, um, like, why wouldn't I want them to get a piece for free? But that's me. I'm like a, I would give the shirt off my back to someone who didn't even need it if they asked for it. And so I wasn't thinking, oh, well, I don't want her to get a free piece because my customers bought from her party. But a lot of people were like that. They wanted to push people into making them, you know, pressure their friends into buying more pieces so that they could hit that goal. And then that benefits them, but it ultimately benefits the consultant and then the higher up the chain as it goes. And I have no doubt that that's like the trickle down effect, right? People didn't come up with that on their own. That's how they were taught to be predatory because that's the one thing that you did learn from LuLaRoe was how to be predatory. Crazy, right? So you know, I'm doing my like once a week pop-ups every now and then, like if you wanted to come shop at my house, like you could come every now and then I would have like a, um, like a, an event or something where I'd lug all my shit to somebody's house or some high school or whatever. And, and that was fine and well, I mean, but you know, I just, I was, I didn't sell a ton. I mean, I, like I said, I made enough to like sustain myself and that was kind of that, you know, what ended up happening, the first kind of like real bad taste in my mouth happened September, I think it was like September 13th. I don't know if it was because they were changing the software or what it was at the time, but I did not get paid for a single sell from September 13th to like October 16th. We are talking six, almost, almost six weeks, whatever it was, it equated to almost six weeks of not being paid for a single cell that I ran through their fucking program. I called and waited on hold for hours to talk to a person. I was told I was caller number two. Guess what? The system hung up on me. I called back. I waited two more hours to talk to someone on the phone. The system hung up on me again. So now, now I am like livid, right? So, uh, and mind you, I'm giving them grace because they're a baby company because they don't know what they're doing. And like, I'm like not a greedy person. So I'm like, I, it's, it is what it is. I'll just call again, whatever. Now, mind you, I'm not happy about it, but like, whatever. So I finally talked to someone. What do they do? Nothing. So then I bring it up with my sponsor and she's like, okay. And then whatever, she doesn't do anything or she does, or I don't even know. And she like, but I'm still like, I called today and they said they don't even have a ticket. So then I brought it up the chain to fucking Kim Roy Lance because I was like, I need to figure out who is at the tippy top of this fucking circus line, right? Of mine. I figured out it was her and I messaged her and I was like, I have not been paid for a thing. They owed me $3,000 pieces in every size of every style you own. Bitch, I don't know 10 people who would wear, 
you know, an extra, extra small Julia or a three X Carly or a medium Cassie. I don't know 10 people, you know? And so they're pushing buy more, buy more. Oh, if you have somebody onboarding this month, you need to make sure that you buy more so you can get your bonus. Heard that, you know, like it was just, it was all of those things. And I'm like, I cannot buy anything if they are holding $3,000 of my money. What makes you think I'm going to put one more red cent? That's wild. My sponsor was like, well, Kim and I are talking to the same people. So we're just junking up the system. And I'm like, bitch, I don't care. I want my money. So finally, my husband thought maybe if I get on the phone, because he heard me being so stressed out that he came in and he was like, Melissa, hand me the phone. And I gave it to him because I was a hot mess. And he talked to somebody and they didn't do shit for him either, which I mean, I knew was going to happen, right? They didn't do shit for him either. I called back the day before the next Inspire tour that I was going to, right? I called back and I said, listen, but I had to wait on hold for God knows how many hours, right? Talk to several people about the same issue. Talk to two people up the chain. Talk, talk, talk. My husband talked to him. Everybody talked to him. And finally, when I'm like, I mean, I wasn't trying to threaten her or anything, but I was like, I will get my money. They were like, we'll wire it to you. I mean, okay. it was like, it wasn't until you basically had to threaten them that they yeah. even cared enough to give no. you your money back. They just figured, ah, she'll just eventually stop asking and we can keep that money. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's too busy blessing lives. It's like chasing us to get her money is not an income producing activity. And she's right. been told to stay in her lane several times. So it's handled. <laughs> exactly. When we, and this, I believe to this day is like a huge tactic, right? So when you ordered a wholesale order, yes, you had to have 33 items in your wholesale order, but you got 5% off your whole order, right? So we all thought, oh my God, that's amazing. They're giving us money back. Like we didn't even have to pay full price for this. Like blah, 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 girl. The only reason they did that is because they wanted you to buy more. If you feel like someone is giving you a break, you're going to buy more. It was all tactic. They know what they're doing. And for as dumb as they look sometimes, it's strategic. They know what they're doing and they're just doing it. We had some people on a uh, Lula Rich chat the other night actually admit that they had seen like purchase orders and stuff. And like LuLaRoe was marking things up like five to 10 times higher than they were actually paying for it. So to give us 5% off and be like, you're so generous. Not really, because they're charging us like 10 times what it's worth in the first place. Right, right. And so I don't know, it was just, it was little things like that at the beginning. It was also this whole like, you know, yeah, yeah, rah, 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 we're sisterhood, like whatever. And um, that first meeting that I went to as a QB, I didn't have inventory, obviously, but at the end I was like, oh, I see that and I want that and I want that and I want that. And so I was buying as a customer, 
only one of the people that I bought from charged me wholesale because she was like, that's the right thing to do. You're about to be one of us. And let me tell you, she became one of the people I really liked most um, because she was like that. And so when I started, oh my God. Okay. So this whole money crisis, right. Where I couldn't order new things. I had to really think like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So that's when I started swapping. So when you swapped, like you, like we would pre-plan. So it was like, okay, I'm, I'm the one that's coming. So I'm going to bring Randy's and Cassie's and you know, whatever. Right. And they're like, yeah, we have those, like, why don't you bring them or whatever? And so I would swap with this girl and she was a great swapper because she didn't care. Cause she was like, look, if it hasn't sold for me, it doesn't care if you think it's a good friend. If it hasn't sold to my customers, then like, you can have it. I don't care. And so I was like, oh my God, you're right. So that's kind of what I took it as is like, you know, if it hasn't sold in three or four shows, then like it's doing me no good sitting here. And just because I think something's ugly, I mean, we're taught that just because we think something's ugly doesn't mean everyone thinks that's ugly. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. So I got some pretty ugly shits. But you know what? I like sold some of it to people who actually wanted it. I had a horrible dress. It was like, <laughs> like army greens and orange and horrible color blocking, stripy, weird. It was horrible. Was it one of those Julia's with like the ringer or whatever? It was an Amelia and it was this horrible green, army green like blocky color. Oh, it was horrible. Oranges and greens. I never thought I had two of them. Never thought I would ever sell one. A girl came to me and she was like, oh my God, that dress would be so perfect for my son's Minecraft themed birthday. <laughs> and so she bought it to wear to her son's birthday. And I was like, oh my God. And I remember going to my team and I was like, I have a story for you guys. And everything does actually sell story. And I'm sure I turned it into some sort of inspiring bullshit. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm like, see, everything does eventually sell if you get it in front of the right eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So one of the things I remember swapping, I went to the swap that was like just a couple of girls And I'm thinking it's going to be like a major swap, right? So I bring bags and bags and bags of stuff, right? And they're sitting in there with like, they've each got like, I don't know, five to seven random ass pieces, hoping that the other one brought the same random ass pieces. And I'm thinking, how were you going to swap anything? I just bought some random stuff and I was just hoping someone else bought the exact same random stuff. So it could just be like a clean, clean swap. And I just go home right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so they were amazed that I brought all the stuff that I brought. And I was like, look, I came to swap. Like I didn't come to mess around. I got a Randy that had fucking clowns on it. Legit clowns with big shoes and a flower in his hat. And I had that thing. I thought I was going to have that thing till I died. I thought they were going to like have to burn it with me. Right. And some consultant saw it. It was like, oh my God, I have to buy that because 
I kind of sort of bought them all as a joke for our family photos. Oh my God. And I was like, what's your address? <laughs> like, <laughs> I couldn't send it fast enough. It's like the consultants that all wore the turd muzz at the, con- yes. and they all wore convention outfits and they all had turd muzz on. Yes. Um, and for everyone listening, that's like, what is a turd muzz? <laughs> <laughs> Did they, did they say it was like a pine cone? <laughs> yeah. So there was a print that was pine cones. And for whatever reason, they thought that pine cones would be great on a blue background as a brown pine cone. And I will find a, a picture of the turdma and I will post it somewhere so you guys can see it. But it literally was like a, a just a straight like royal blue, like you talk about, like that horrible blue color. And then just brown pine cones all over it. And just, it literally looked like poop all over the shirt. Like it, they called it the turdma because it was an Irma that had turds on it. Right. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So this is, this is where we're at now. We're all like making fun of the clothes, right? And what you need to know is in the company, there are people trying to turn this hideous shit into sellable things by manipulating how you wear it, right? So there are people wearing Azure's as tops or there are people like nodding stuff or doing like whatever they're doing. And all you're hearing from home offices, we are a modest company. You can't do that. So people are turning in people to compliance left and right about, you know, how so-and-so's got their arms showing or so-and-so hiked their skirt up so high or whatever. And it's like, are you kidding me? So now there's like a whole morality piece that is attached to working this business. So now I, okay, I buy the clothes from you and then I turn around and I sell the clothes for you. It's called multi-level marketing for several reasons, but one of those is that you're not paying for advertising because I'm doing it for you. Wouldn't you want me to sell this however I can? You know what I'm saying? But you also have no control of what I want to do to these clothes once I buy them, right? And so we, you have this whole like, morality oh we're a modest company we're never gonna like show anyone's knees or we're never gonna show any arms or we're not gonna make a low-cut shirt or we're a v-neck a v-neck why would you want a v-neck it's too much skin right so it's like you've got this on top of it so now you have people manipulating how you can even sell the product that you have purchased that belongs to you cult there was a moment i don't did you go to the 2016 convention girl no good for you there was a moment at 2016 convention where they brought up all the styling sisters which are all the sisters that are like the wives of deanne's kids or the daughters of deanne and mark it's all of the the styling sisters and they all have different styles and so they all take the same piece and they all style it different ways to show how versatile everything is right and they had the style sisters go up there and they had to make an announcement about what you just said how people were wearing the clothes immodestly they were not wearing the clothes as to be intended and they had this whole speech and it was jill who is kenny's wife bless her heart oh my god (laughs) step forward and berate 
a room full of women who idolized her and said, you're wearing the clothes wrong. Please don't come back tomorrow wearing the clothes wrong again. She was like, there are people that are wearing maxis as strapless dresses. There are people that are, you know, like wearing, they're hiking their skirts up. There are people that are wearing things not as intended. And that is not the way that we want this brand presented. It was the most looking back on it now is probably like one of the most toxic and cringy and like most horrible thing. Cause I feel like I could hear the collective heartbreak of the women that were sitting, oh, yeah. watching it, looking down and going, Oh my God, I'm wearing exactly what she's telling people is bad. And like, you could hear oh, yeah. these women's heartbreak. Yeah. And they think that they have done something that's like revolutionary, right? They think that, you know, they think that they're making this work and here they are being told, you have no free will. You know where else you have no free will? A cult. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I famously said they were a cult. <laughs> listen, okay, so I was listening to, um, I listened to Small Town Murderer. Um, it's uh, James Petrogallo and Jimmy Wisman, and they are hilarious, and I love them. And so, um, but it's a podcast. And they have some stuff over on Patreon or whatever. And so one of their bonus episodes was like, how do you know you're in a cult? And they would talk about cults or whatever. And so there's like three things about being a cult. You have a leader that you worship, right? Pick one. Deanne, Mark. Kenny, Jordan, Patrick, Amelia, Patrick. Right? Pick pick any of them, right? Um, number two, like you um, pay a ton of money. Assumes a ton of money, right? So check 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 right and three was I might be getting three wrong but it's basically like shed all the other people around you except for the people that believe this thing right those are the three things that define a cult and I'm sorry but check 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 like I felt like I came into LuLaRoe as yeah I always had questions too and I was always give given these like really horrible canned responses like Oh, that's so weird. Let me ask my upline. Right. I'm like, is it weird though? I'm sorry. I was told that you were a leader. You're higher than I am. Why don't you know the answer to this? I did not get any dead fart leggings. I did not get any of those because I didn't order enough to get those. But I will say I got plenty that had holes in them already. Plenty that had like random like colored sharpie marker on it like stray marks I don't even know what that was I know for a fact I got a bunch of um shit from the returns I know like me too oh yeah and they were like we wouldn't do that like my girl Gertie got a Sarah that was full of like there were wood chips in the pockets of the Sarah (laughs) wood chips wood chips one person told me that one, this is the craziest thing. Um, we had a thread one time in Defective and it was like the craziest things you had found in your LuLaRoe box. One person found a used bra and one person found half of a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's a lot of wood chips into that list too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I knew that they were full of shit for various reasons, but I'm telling you at the beginning, I didn't miss a phone call. I didn't miss a meeting. I didn't miss anything because I was like, I give it my all, right? I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing and you know, whatever. So 
comes along to, I don't know, probably like the Christmas of 2016, they did Christmas leggings. But this launch, and, and another thing that y'all touched on in the documentary was the launches, right? How it's like, I can understand if you like mess up the first launch. And I can maybe even give you grace if you mess up the second launch, right? But you mess up every freaking launch you have ever done. And it's like, I don't even know what to do with myself anymore. Christmas of 2016, that was the one where you could literally only order five pair in each size, I want to say. Do you remember that? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. This was the only time I ever paired things together. Yeah. And I felt so guilty doing, oh my God, yes. Oh my God, I forgot all about that. Yep, you could only order five pairs of leggings at a time, but you still had to order 33 pieces. So you could get five small, medium kids, five large, extra large, five one size, and five TC. That's 20 pieces. So you still have to order 13 other pieces, right? And what people don't understand is when you're doing these launches, this shit is selling out like bananas crazy. So you go in with a plan and by the time it's your turn to order or whatever, they don't have anything left that you were planning on getting. So now you're trying for me, I'm trying to not break my budget because I still have to order 13 pieces. If I even get the Christmas leggings, if they're even still there. So I was able to get my five pair of whatever. I don't know. I, I got some Christmas leggings, but it was literally only five pair and whatever size I ordered. Right. Yeah. I think they were the, they were two packs, right? So you could get five, two packs. So I think it was 10 leggings total per size, right? which was not a lot. And that's even if when, like you're saying, like when you went to get them, that they were even available. It's like, the equivalent of trying to get front row tickets at like your favorite person's concert. And you're like, ah, refresh. The the seats are gone. Pick other seats. Oh, refresh. The seats are sold out again. It's that sort of thing where like you go to, you're like, okay, everything looks good. You go to hit like enter. And it's like, oh yeah, no, um, they're out of that size legging. There's only two available left. So you're going to go in, change it from five to two, and then have to go and add three somewhere else to make it three again. And by that time it happened somewhere else. It was a complete nightmare complete nightmare and it was every time it was a complete nightmare okay now mind you on a just a customer level you're you're being hyped that this is coming right but I couldn't get them or so and so couldn't get them so my girl that I like to swap with a lot she couldn't get them so she calls me and she's like hey I have two customers that really, really, really want Christmas leggings and I didn't get any. Can I send them to your group so that they have a chance at getting Christmas leggings? And I, like, y'all are going to probably be like, oh my God, you need to get over it. But like, I told her no. I told her no because I only got so many and there were so many people in my group that wanted them too. And they were my customers and I felt like I had to be loyal to them. She didn't ask me to give her two pairs of leggings. She asked me for her customers just to be able to buy two pairs of leggings. And I fucking told her no. I still hate myself for that to this day. Like, because that's not me. That is not me. 
And that is when I realized that this shit was changing who I was as a person, you know? And so one of the things that was said in your podcast and one of the things that was said in the documentary is, you know, yeah, we're all victims, but we're also all perpetrators. And it doesn't matter at what level you were, you perpetrated something, you know, you stepped on somebody and they might be okay with that. But like, are you okay with that? I really feel like I needed a 12 step program when I left LuLaRoe. I really, really felt like I needed to like come to Jesus about things like that. And like, my friend was not even mad. She wasn't mad. She was like, I totally get it. It's not a problem. Like water under the bridge. But I was mad because I felt like this company was changing the fiber of who I was. I get it. I absolutely get it. Wow. I, wow. And I know you, right? I knew you before Little Row. And that's just like, but I get it. I would have probably said no too. Right. I'd probably been like, you know, you got to give my, my group the chance first and they can join tomorrow if there's anything left. Right. Wow. Yeah. And I will tell you the thing that was so horrible, everybody wanted those stupid Christmas leggings and they weren't even that cute. I knew that I had to sell them with other things to make actual money because again, you only got a couple pairs. So I paired them as outfits. I paired them with, with, um, solid tops. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is the way it is. And I think I, I donated a portion of it. I don't remember exactly what it was. There's a video out there somewhere, but because I felt so bad knowing that I had to pair these leggings as bait to sell shirts that I had so many solids of yeah. to pair them as bait. I felt so bad about myself doing that and so immoral. And so like, I can't believe I'm taking advantage of these people in this way that I donated a portion of that sale. Um, and actually I want to say, cause it was Christmas. So I want to say, I think I donated it to like this family here in, in town, like in need. And I bought them a bunch of presents and things for Christmas with that money. And I felt like, that was a little bit of me trying to offset yeah. my karma of me having to, I felt like I was almost manipulating and scamming. I guess I definitely was manipulating and scamming people to buy more than they needed to, to get this one thing they had to have. Right. And that's the only way that I could offset that icky feeling, which right. pretty much defeated the whole pers- purpose of me pairing them together and selling them anyway. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, we all kind of did some gross things, you know, and like, it is something that you do have to take a long, hard look at yourself. I mean, I prided myself on being a black sheep and not doing what everyone was telling me to do. Like, Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti-MLM friends as well. See you next time.